welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. Human rights in the Olympics are back in the news. It seems like the International Olympic Committee and the Olympics just can't get away from conversations in and around human rights and civil rights. And it's fitting. It was, oh, let's do the math here. Okay, 52 years ago, uh, this week, October 16th, last Friday, was it was the 52nd anniversary of the Black Power Salute. I'm sure you know what the Black Power Salute, but in case you don't, in 1968, after the 200-meter race, two of the medalists of the race, the, the gold and bronze medalists, both Americans, both black, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, raised their black-gloved fists to signify the civil rights struggle that black people, black Americans, were going through at the time. They got summarily escorted out of Mexico City, which is where the Olympics were. They got essentially banned from the Olympics. The, uh, the USOC didn't want to have anything to do with them. Uh, it was an incredibly courageous gesture. You literally had the Olympic gold medalist of the 200-meter race essentially becoming a pariah. Um, and he had, uh, beforehand, there were certainly reason to believe that there were going to be problems. And they said, uh, you know, too bad. Um, they they both, you know, continued careers at some level, Smith. Uh, went and played in the NFL for a bit, uh, but they that 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 moment was kind of looked at at the time by many people the way that Colin Kaepernick, his kneeling for the national anthem, sitting for the national anthem originally, and Megan Rapinoe's kneeling for the national anthem, and other people's other demonstrations, instead of you know really listening to the athletes, it was really seen as a slap in the face of the IOC and the USOC and the United States itself. The International Olympic Committee, the reason that it became a big deal uh, for in the Olympic movement is because the International Olympic Committee has said for decades, no political protests, no political messaging, in and around the Olympic Games, and certainly using a metal podium to make a human rights commentary, which which was perceived as political, uh, that was not cool with the IOC. And they have for years maintained that you cannot have political demonstrations at the Olympics, and you certainly can't do it during a medal ceremony. The LGBTQ community became super aware of this in 2014 when the Winter Olympic Games were held in Sochi. And six months, eight months before the Games, as many of you will remember, Russia put forward a, a, a stricter policy around... Uh, essentially publicly being LGBTQ. What they said was that if you were being out and proud that you were uh, marketing homosexuality to children and that is what was problematic and so they banned it. And many, many people wanted athletes to 
do some kind of demonstration, whether it was wear a rainbow hat or wave a rainbow flag on a, on a metal podium, something like that. Well, it didn't happen. There were minor demonstrations, uh, mostly away from the Olympic venues. And that's because the, the International Olympic Committee will come down hard on you if you try to if you try to do something. I've commented before, uh, months ago, about how the IOC is going to have to figure out how to allow some kind of demonstration because it is impossible to believe that American athletes, primarily, and, and in particular, black American athletes, are not going to say something about what has happened over the last few months when the Olympics are held in Tokyo next summer. The IOC uh, this week, again, has been hiding behind its policy about quote-unquote politics. And what has come into focus is that in 2022, the Winter Games are going to be held in Beijing. Beijing held the Summer Olympic Games in 2008, and now they're going to host the Winter Olympic Games in 2022. And people have started to question the IOC's judgment when China clearly is violating human rights in regard to the uh, Uyghurs. The Uyghurs, if you don't know, are a, a, a officially recognized minority in China, and their persecution has come into focus a lot over the last few years, and in particular now, uh, with images of Uyghurs lined up to be uh, taken in trains to re-education camps. Uh, if, if I'm not going to get into all of the specifics here. There are far better people and places to, to educate you on that. But if you go online, it is spelled U-Y-G-H-U-R. I'm sure you've heard about it, Uyghurs. And go, uh, you take a look at uh, what's going on there in China. Well, uh, people have started to question the IOC hosting the Olympic Games in Beijing, in China, with all of this going on. And uh, this week, the International Olympic Committee, uh, again, said that it's hiding behind its nonsense um, about uh, political statements and, and human rights. And they said, um, sent a statement to the Associated Press Awarding the Olympic Games to a National Olympic Committee does not mean that the IOC agrees with the political structure, social circumstances, or human rights standards in its country. The IOC has neither the mandate nor the capability to change the laws or the political system of a sovereign country. So much going on here. Uh, before I go any further, uh, let me recognize that some people say that every country is a human rights violator and the United States is awful and ah um, and I, as I've said in previous podcasts, I reject that. The United States is not rounding up uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of, of uh, Americans uh, here and and putting them in re-education camps. 
we can certainly talk about what's going on in the, at the Mexican border. We can certainly talk about what's going on with black Americans and LGBTQ people. But again, as I've said, what's going on in Iran, what's going on in China with human rights abuses, it does not compare to what's going on in the United States. Even if you think that it is and you want the United States banned, for the Olympic Committee to endorse, and that is what they're doing, by, 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 they, are, um, they are legitimizing uh, the government in a way that is unnecessary. And I'll get back to that word unnecessary in a second. Every country virtually is going to do business with China. The diplomat, having diplomatic ties, having business ties, I get it. You, there are a few countries in the world that people isolate. For example, South Africa. It happened with South Africa. It's happened with Cuba. I get that. Trying to isolate China and choke it off is, is, is not going to, to work. However... What you also don't have to do is reward the government of China by letting them host two Olympic Games over the course of 14 years. The dirty secret with the IOC is that most of the countries who have the political ability to host the Olympic Games, it's very, very few because it costs a lot of money. Uh, it takes a lot of infrastructure. And frankly, China was one of two countries to, to end up uh, ultimately bidding for the 2022 Winter Games. And the other one, I think it was Kazakhstan, which has <laughs> equally bad uh, human rights violations. To be clear, and I'll interpret the International Olympic Committee's statement, uh, we can't care about human rights violations because if we did, we probably wouldn't have an Olympic Games because not enough countries uh, in Scandinavia and North America want to host these things because they're a total boondoggle uh, for for local government. Um, every once in a while, you see a Utah that's able to hold it successfully and not lose billions of dollars. But it's it's it, it's a difficult thing to put together. And without a, a frankly, a, a, a regime, a dictatorial regime like they have in China, it's just very difficult to do. That's why you see the games hosted in, in China and Russia. Uh, and, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's a breath of fresh air when France or a Canada or the United States can, can host these games. So this, this is not going away. The, these games were in 2022. Um, it's less, it's about 18 months from now. And this focus on the Uyghurs is going to continue to, to, to fester. I will note that the gay games are also going to be held in China in 2022. They are going to be uh, in the, the latter part of, of the year in Hong Kong. And certainly, I think we all know about a lot of the human rights issues that are going on in Hong Kong and it's 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 incredibly problematic, and but I think that it's it's a different case. I I don't think that you can criticize the Federation of Gay Games uh, for for rewarding China by hosting their event there because the goal of the Gay Games is different from the Olympics. the The goal the Gay Games are going to China specifically 
because LGBTQ people are persecuted and specifically to help improve uh, the perception of LGBTQ people, their treatment, to, um, to, to normalize uh, trans people and, and, and gay people and bi people and being queer. And so it's, it's a different, even though they're going to be in the same country uh, in the same year, it's, it's actually from a human rights perspective, uh, if the event is successful, it will be a positive thing to have the gay games in China. The Olympics are, are have stated very clearly they are not going to China to help with any human rights issues. The gay games are specifically going there to do that. Now, certainly you can you can question whether it's the best idea in the world for the gay games to go to Hong Kong. I, I have spoken to many people who are concerned about this. Uh, obviously, the the China's um, strong arming Hong Kong, and and you have uh, police in the streets and protests and uh, and and violent clashes and all kinds of stuff going on in Hong Kong. In addition, it's just it's one of the most expensive cities in the world. It is going to be very difficult to get to. I've talked to many people in North America, and North America usually makes up a huge part of the attendance of the gay games. I've talked to a lot of people who are not going to the gay games in 2022 from North America. Will they be able to attract enough interest from people in Asia? That's their gamble. They are hoping to. They are hoping that, again, their presence there and the participation of thousands and thousands and thousands of people from from China and Japan and other places, um, by bringing the gay games there, that they'll be able to empower those communities and bring awareness about those communities. I, I'm not so sure that, that that's going to happen, um, but, you know, I, I've... I've I've rarely wanted to be wrong about something, uh, but but what I what I do know is that either way, the gay games uh, awarding the gay games to Hong Kong brings awareness about the LGBTQ community to an area that really needs it, and that's a positive thing. Uh, another space, and, and I'm gonna just kind of as an update to the conversations that we've had about uh, banning Iran from the Olympic Games. So. Um, just to recap, uh, I have been advocating for the banning of Iran for the Olympic Games for various human rights violations, including the murder of LGBTQ people and culminating in and the, the, the murder of national champion wrestler Naveed Afkari, uh, who, again, you can listen to the last previous, couple of previous podcasts, Navid Afkari, N-A-V-I-D-A-F-K-R-I. He was murdered by the government of Iran just about six weeks ago. And the chorus is growing to ban Iran from the Olympic Games. And it is now joined by uh, an Iranian athlete organization that uh, agrees that this needs to happen, that, 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 Frankly, the IOC and FIFA need to be banned. And this, uh, this new call is, is being head by a women's rights campaigner. And, um, and it's, it's just good to see that people, um, the Iranians, are saying, uh, no, this, this needs to happen. Uh, 
unfortunately, the, despite the IOC saying that it has, you know, it, 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 it selectively turned a blind eye when it's in the best interest of the IOC to do so, they turn a blind eye to human rights violations. They do have a history of banning countries for human rights violations, Afghanistan and South Africa uh, in the last 30 years. So it's possible that they will, but it's good to see that uh, people in and around Iran, it's not just out, quote unquote, outsiders like me calling for this, that people in Iran are saying that they have gone, the government has gone too far and it is time to take action. So hopefully that will happen. Uh, there, there is a hashtag. You can do uh, United for the number four Navid, hashtag Navid Afkari, if you want to uh, try to let the International Olympic Committee know that uh, it is time to take action on this. The last little tidbit I'll leave you with this week uh, is kind of uh, just something to watch out for. The the inclusion of trans athletes at the Summer Olympic Games next year in Tokyo. A couple of things. Number one, World Rugby has, against the recommendation of many national governing bodies, people in the sport, has, has banned trans women from women's rugby at an elite level. And it will be interesting to see what they did. I'll back up for a second. What they did was they listened to a a lot of anti-trans people who focus on a a, a specific um, series of statistics that that focus on the difference between men and women, cisgender men and cisgender women, and say, well, if there's this huge difference, um, we're just going to make the claim that there, there's no way to eliminate that difference or even dramatically reduce that difference. And any, any trans woman has unfair advantages that they can never get rid of uh, in the sport of rugby. And so they have to compete against the men. It, it's going to be interesting to see if the International Olympic Committee takes any action, uh, what this could look like uh, for... Uh, for uh, other sports. Will other sports follow? In weightlifting, there is a bunch of turmoil going on right now in weightlifting. One of the few sports that we know there's a potential to have a trans athlete is in weightlifting. Laurel Hubbard uh, from New Zealand uh, has just a couple of years ago placed second at the World Championships in a couple of events, and I think maybe even overall. And so she's got a shot. Uh, if if weightlifting is included, if the policies uh, as the IOC lays them out are are maintained for trans athletes, and if Laurel's healthy enough, um, all three of those things are up in the air. And all of us at Outsports are really hoping to see a trans athlete at the Olympic Games, whether it's Chelsea Wolf and BMX, um, you know, I think there's a small chance Tiffany Abro uh, for volleyball in uh, in Brazil. I think there's a really small chance of that, from what I've been what I've been told. And you know, there there could be somebody else who who pops up um, who's not you know really on our radar right now. Uh, but Laurel's probably the best the best chance for somebody to actually compete. As far as we know, I've tried to talk to Laurel. I've tried to interview Laurel. The, the uh, New Zealand uh, Olympic uh, Committee has said that she is not doing any interviews, so I can't ask her about it. 
um, ask her how she how she's feeling and what her prospects are. Uh, but but this is between the the world rugby policy and the turmoil going on internationally in in weightlifting, unfortunately, um, you know the, it's almost like every few weeks there's there's uh, there's another potential hurdle raised for Laurel to to be in the Olympics. Uh, but we are rooting for her, and uh, and and we are doing our best to fight against the really unnecessary anti-trans policies that World Rugby has put forward. Um, it's it really is just unbelievable the what they decided to listen to and the the arguments that they decided to um, ad- adhere to instead of listening to other perspectives that really prote- protected women's sports, protected trans athletes, brought everyone together uh, in, in smart, safe ways as just, uh, as just a, a, a travesty was happening to rugby. Hopefully the IOC doesn't follow suit. I, I, I don't think they will. I, I do know that they're constantly looking at their, their trans inclusion policy. I don't think that that they will go so far as to ban trans women. I, I would be, I, that's virtually impossible, I think. Uh, particularly given some of the people who the IOC is listening to. It's very different from the people that the World Rugby is listening to. Anyhow, those are some uh, human rights issues that have been popping up in and around the Olympic Games. Uh, some involving LGBTQ people, some not. We'll be back next week with the interview of someone we've never written about at Outsports. Uh, an, an Olympian, an LGBTQ Olympian who has only gotten on my radar screen recently and I'm really excited to talk to them. So come on back next week for a great conversation with um, an LGBTQ Olympian who's represented Team USA. We'll talk to you then.